Hi, friends, and welcome back to Rabbit Trails, a podcast created to cultivate conversation and connection. I'm your host, Andy, and this week is my first solo episode. Um, This one is going to be a fun one. It is all about my first experience running a marathon and what went right, what went wrong, the advice I have, the do's and don'ts that I learned, um, and just my overall takeaways. So it's going to be a little different. Um, If you get sick of my voice, I totally understand. So don't feel like you have to listen to the whole thing. But I just thought this was a fun one to talk about because it's running marathon is, was a challenge for me that I, at certain points in my life, thought I would never um, set myself to achieve. So uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and let me know how the um, solo episode strikes for you and if it's something that I should continue with down the road or if you really enjoy the um, interviews and having guests and all that. So um, I want to start with just kind of what inspired me to run a marathon and the story behind what made me one day just go ahead and sign up and pay the money to do it. Uh, so when I was in, oh gosh, I want to say it must've been like maybe eighth grade. That sounds about right. I think it had to be like eighth grade or maybe seventh grade, but in middle school, um, my dad decided that he was going to run a marathon and his motivation to do it was my brother actually. So My brother Chase, for those of you who don't know, was a wrestler all through high school and um, he worked really, really hard to be good and he was good, Uh, but that took a lot of hard work and effort and going to different wrestling camps and uh, missing out on things other kids his age were doing so that way he could uh, excel in his sport. And my dad was not a formal coach of his, but had experience in the sport as well and definitely was like a personal coach to Chase and a very involved parent um, in making sure that he helped Chase be set up to succeed. And so in doing that, he felt like it was unfair of him to uh, push Chase to do his best and challenge himself if he wasn't also challenging himself as well. So uh, after never having done any long distance running in his life, he decided that he was going to start long distance running. So he began that in the fall. And then by January, he had registered for a marathon because he thought he needed more of a formal challenge. So um, he's on it for a marathon. And we all were like, you're crazy. That's insane. Why would you want to do that? Um, and he did it. And for a year of his life, he started on his birthday um, that year. He also decided that he wasn't going to drink any beer for the whole year. So um he didn't drink any beer for the whole year and he trained for a marathon and ran a marathon and uh it was awesome to watch him challenge himself just for the sake of loving his son and wanting to be um in the same boat as chase so they could relate to what it's like to challenge yourself and grow and be better and also have moments where it's really hard so i watched him do this and train and go through the winter running and all these other things that to me i just thought were crazy and he ended up running the bay uh bay city marathon in the summer um and it was up in traverse city or right around there in michigan and it was so fun watching him run and uh being able to cheer him on and see him do something that was truly in my eyes like superhuman i just really thought it was impossible to run that far i grew up doing gymnastics and um pole vault and sprints and tracks so a 400 felt impossible to me 
Um, anyway, so he did this and they say that when you cross the finish line, there's like three different kinds of marathoners. There's a person who finishes and they're like, I'm absolutely never doing that again. And they probably cannot be talked into running another marathon. And then there's kind of the middle of the road person that's like, yeah, I, I could maybe do one again, or maybe I would. And those people are kind of a 50, 50, you might be able to talk them into running a marathon. And then there's going to be half of them that are like, maybe, but then as that goes away from it, they're like, yeah, no, I, I didn't really like that. So, um, and then there's the people who cross the finish line and whether it's their first one or their fifth one, they're like, yep, love it. I'm doing another one. Like I didn't achieve what I wanted to, or there's more challenge to be completed or whatever that is. So, um, I think my dad fell in the middle of the road. He crossed the finish line and articulated that he felt like he could do another one and it would not be um off his radar to do that and so he started talking shortly after that about he and I running one and when we could do that and at the time when he really started talking more and more about that I was in high school and I was like there's I'm so busy I'm in sports there's no way and then I get into college and I'm doing college pole vault and they're a little more um they monitor your training program a little more tightly than they do in high school when you're in a collegiate sport. So doing pole vault, I was training to do all these like short distance sprints and explosive movements, movements to get off the ground and get high in pole vault and all this stuff. And, um, so I kept telling my dad, cause he'd be like, when are we going to run a marathon together? And I would always tell my dad, you know, I, I can't do it during track. I can't do it during track. When I get out of track, we could do it and whatever, when I graduate college. And, uh, I think he always thought I was kidding. And that was his mistake because then I had Christmas coming around this past year and I thought to myself, what am I going to get my dad? And he's someone who can be really easy or really hard to buy gifts for. He loves the Steelers. So that's always something I think about. And there was my freshman year of college. I got him tickets to a Steelers game uh, versus the Ravens, which we both hate the Ravens. So that was a great bonding experience. But my dad has always enjoyed experience gifts more so than like a new shirt or um, a new coffee mug or whatever that looks like for him. He's always enjoyed ex- experience and memories. And so this year I'm like, what's another great, I mean, the last time I did something awesome, like awesome, like that for my dad was the Steelers game. So what's something I can do that is very memorable. And I'm also engaged at that point. So I'm thinking, what's something I can do that is like a daddy daughter thing? Because, uh, my dad always made jokes about how I call my mom like four times a week, which is true. I, I call my mom a lot. I, I love her. She's like my best friend. And uh, my dad felt left out of that. So I'm trying to think what are the things I can do that A, will foster communication between us more frequently. Not that we haven't always been close, but just keep us routinely talking. And what are what's something that we could do that would be bonding? And I all of a sudden had this little voice in the back of my head that was like, do you remember all those times that dad has asked you, when are you going to run a marathon together? And I was like, ding, ding, ding. So I started Googling beginner marathons in Michigan or Michigan marathons in the fall and whatnot. And so I found a great beginner course that had a marathon in the fall. And cause I didn't want to run it in the middle of summer. It's too hot. And, uh, I found one in Marquette, Michigan on September 2nd. And Marquette is home to, um, well, it's right near Munising, which has pictured rocks, which is, if you have not been there, one of the best locations in the nation, in my opinion. And I mean, I haven't been to all the state parks or all the national parks, but I've been to some really awesome places and pictured rocks just sits right up there at the top for me. And that's probably because it's in my home state. So I feel nostalgic about it, but my family 
I grew up going camping there at a campground called Kichigumi and um, we've just always enjoyed it and had a splendid time every time we're there and so I was like this is perfect it's in a town that we love to go to and we already have a lot of great memories at so I'll register for us for this one so I signed me and my dad up for the Marquette uh, city marathon on September 2nd of 2023, which happened to fall 14 days before my wedding. So that was kind of crazy, but also kind of intentional. I was like, I'm not in college sports anymore. I'm going to need a reason to, uh, be disciplined and stay active and, um, stay in shape for the wedding and all those things. And, um, I was, I graduated for, I guess to preface that I graduated in January of 2022 or 2023, I mean. Um, and so I was a semester early and ahead of kind of my other classmates. And so I didn't have to do track anymore. And I was like, man, I always told my dad, the only thing that was holding me back was track. Like when I'm done with school, when I'm done with school, so I was finally done with school. So I wrote my dad a little poem to tell him, uh, just to be funny. And he read it out loud from a card on Christmas morning. And it was the last present we opened that day. And I have a video on my phone of him opening it. He was like, oh my gosh, Andy. I don't, he was not very happy with me. Um, he didn't think he could do it for a little while and he was not fully on board, but he wasn't enough off board that I really thought he's mad at me. He's not going to do it. I need to find someone else to run the marathon with me. So, um, we start training in January and I mean, training starts with like, you're running like two miles or whatever. And two miles was hard for me when I started. It was crazy. I had very minimal long distance running built into my schedule at that point. And I never ran more than maybe three miles at a time. And I was tired at two miles and it was hard. And my dad felt the same way, but we just kind of started building slowly. And I remember the first time I ran four and I remember the first time I ran five. And then I remember going over five and the farthest I'd run in my life before marathon training was eight miles. And that was during COVID. And I just had woke up on one Sunday and was like, I'm going to go for a run. And I went slow and I went long and I made it eight miles. And that was kind of crazy for me because I, again, grew up growing up doing gymnastics and track. You're not really doing long distance anything. So, um, yeah, I think eight was like my comfort level. I remember running eight miles and thinking that was really far when I ran it. And um, the first time I ran nine miles, I was so proud of myself because that was the farthest I'd ever run. And I mean, that's worth being proud of for sure. So, that's kind of where it all started. And then we started following a program right around the time that March rolled around. And by the time May came and I walked in graduation, we were, um, just shy of the half marathon mileage mark and, um, starting to like see some double digits. And man, that was all crazy. Cause I, again, I'd never done that. So we get out to the point of like 13 miles and we're both starting to learn how to fuel while we run. And it was great because my dad would text me every single morning and we would talk about our workouts for the day. And, um, it, it did that goal for sure of accomplishing more communication and more bonding, which was exactly what I was hoping for. Um, and on top of that, it was just a great challenge because everything inside of me did not like long distance running, but it's crazy how, when you stay consistent with something that you think you have this opinion of, you can watch it grow and watch it change and watch your own attitude grow. So I mean, you can do hard things. And that is what I learned from running this marathon is you can do hard things. And not only can you do hard things, you can learn to like hard things that at some point were a strong hate for you. So I did not sign up for a marathon because I even enjoy long distance running. I signed up for one because I needed a challenge and it was all about relationship with my dad. And those two things felt like a great reason to me. And so, um, 
I learned to listen to podcasts a lot while I was running because running with walking with a friend always feels like it goes faster because you're having a conversation and so it was great because I would run for an hour and listen to an hour-long podcast and it would just fly by because it was like someone was running with me and talking to me and music felt like great except for you have to listen to four songs to make a mile go by if they're not very long songs and I didn't like that aspect of it and so um podcasts were great and that was something I learned to like and then I learned that I really love running in colder weather and you know being able to be in a sweatshirt and go nice and slow and not sweat my face off was great and then the weather started heating up in the summer and I learned that I don't like that and there's just so many different little learning curves you come across and learning what gummies you like and I learned that I hate goo no matter what flavor it is I feel like I'm gonna gag and throw up and you learn how to find water along the way and how to drink water while you're running and there's a million things that are challenges to it that are outside of just the physical scope of don't stop running um and you learn how to do those things and it was so fun to be able to talk to my dad about those things and go through those with him and not just be like on my own um doing them on my own and all that that was great and so around midsummer, um I'm hitting that like 17 15 through 18 mileage and on my 22nd birthday I got up really early in the morning and I ran 20 no not 20 I'm sorry on my 22nd birthday I woke up really in the morning really early in the morning and ran 18 miles and that was the farthest I'd ever run in my life and it was my best long run of training I remember feeling like I was on top of the world um and it was I had a runner's high from mile like 14 to 15 or 14 to 17. I'm sorry. And then the last mile was like, you know, tough it out, whatever. But, um, it was just so awesome. I was jamming in Taylor Swift. I was jumping and dancing and singing and just, it's crazy right like in that moment. And on that run, I remember feeling like I'm actually joyous right now. I'm moving my body. I'm doing something that unfortunately not everyone has the ability to do with their body. And I'm grateful to God that I can move my body and honor him in this way and challenge myself to be better because he gave me the ability to do this. And I was just happy, like happy doing something I once thought I hated. And man, that's a really good lesson to learn. And whether you learn it through long distance running or something different, whatever, maybe it's a job that you think you hate and then you find all these blessings in it or um, whatever it looks like for you. For me, it was running this marathon. I just found like, man, you should try things before you feel hateful or distaste towards them because you just don't know what the Lord might give you in that. And he gave me joy and it was awesome. And so I, I remember that run very vividly. Um, and then let's see, I guess training after that, I ran 21 miles with Hannah. Uh, Hannah Sears was amazing. She biked so many of my long distance runs with me and biking. If you've ever biked with a long distance runner, who's running like a 10, 30, 11 minute pace, which is what I was doing. It is a slow bike. Like you could do circles around the person running. And she did so many of those with me. So I'm really grateful to that because there were sometimes I had to run at night and sometimes I ran really early in the morning and it's just so much safer to be with someone else. And she stepped up and was willing to do that for me. And I am so appreciative of that. Um, so that was also so fun because when I didn't have my dad around, because he was in Michigan training and I was in Bourbon, Illinois training, um, when I didn't have him around, it was great to have Hannah there kind of relating to me. And she would even do some of the shorter runs with me, which was also a blessing. And it's just so fun too the like bonding moments you find with people 
um, as you're training for something, you, you know, you're training for a marathon and yes, I was training with my dad, but I was also alone for a lot of it in Illinois. And, um, even alone, I found community. There's other people who I could talk to about it and talking about running. If you run is so much fun. Um, and like, why else run that long other than to tell people that you ran that long? I mean, if people are honest, you run a marathon so you can be like, did you know I run a marathon? And that's silly and stupid, but it's a very real reason. Um, so anyway, that was a great blessing as well. Not only just learning to love something that I thought I didn't like, but finding community in it and just conversation and connection with other people. And, um, it's just such a blessing. And so that was definitely such a great takeaway from the training process and everything. And, oh man, learning to find the right shoes. Golly people, you got to get the right shoes. I, One mistake I will say that my dad and I made in training, like I said, we started in January and we didn't start a program till March. So, uh, that's three to four months of extra miles that we were doing that wasn't in our program to be run. And so I don't know what the average is that people run in training for a marathon. I've heard some people do it in less than four months. They train for a marathon, less than six months, whatever. Well, we spent nine months training for this thing. And that means that we ran a lot of miles that we didn't actually need to run, which is fine because I think my mindset was I'm, I'm building a foundation here of mental stamina, not physical stamina. Cause we really didn't pass the five, 10, no five, five to six mile mark until after March. But like, I was just building this mental fortress of, I can run, I can run, I can do this. I can run. I'm a runner. And it took me three months to like build that kind of segment of my, not my identity, but, um, kind of this like hat I could put on while I was running and be like, yep, this is running Andy. This is Andy in her running era and had to convince myself of that. And so that made the rest of training good. But I've talked to a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I ran 250 or 300 miles training for a marathon. And I did the math when I was driving up North to the marathon, which I'll tell that story in a bit. But, um, I did the math on all the miles that I ran and that my dad ran. He missed about a week or two of training because he had a leg injury, which thankfully he was able to recover from and still run in the marathon. But, um, I ran 550 miles training for this thing. And I'm like, that's outrageous. I, I think that was something I will not do again if I train for this, not because it wasn't great. And I still was fine for the marathon. It's not like I, I mean, you could, you're risking injury running that much, I think. And I didn't get injured, which is a blessing, but, um, there's, there was a point there in the middle of the summer where I had been running for six months or seven months and I'm feeling mentally like, can we just get this thing over with? Like I, it's so, once you get out to that mileage, that's like past 10 miles, you're starting to put two and a half, three, and then up to four hours aside to be able to train and that's a lot of time out of your day. And it's a lot of time out of your week. Cause if you're doing that much on a weekend, then you're putting in at least a one hour run in the mornings on weekdays. And the shortest runs you're doing are 40 minutes. And it's a time consuming thing to train for a marathon. And so, um, there was a point in the summer where I think physically I was fine, but mentally I was just like burnt out and ready to be done. And also kind of trave craving a different form of training. I think I was ready to get back in the gym and do more of a weightlifting style. And I did lift throughout my training because I knew it's really important to maintain muscle mass. But, um, I also didn't do it the whole time. I would say that out of the nine months of training, I probably was in the gym lifting for seven months, six or seven months of that. I mean, there was a solid three months of the summer that I 
I was primarily running and um, not really doing a whole lot of cross training, which is something that is I'll talk about later of like what I'll do different next time. But um, that's for later in the episode. I anyway, so we ran 550 miles training for this thing. And um, it was it was such a great experience. The how and the why of running this marathon and the training aspect of it. I, I wouldn't really change anything about what we did, um, emotionally or anything like obviously physically, I probably have some things that I'm like, okay, now I knew better. I know better for next time. But the reasoning behind doing it is it was great and it kept me motivated. And, um, I just loved it. The whole experience meant a lot to me. So that was really special. All right. So the second thing I want to kind of address on this whole topic is kind of the story of actual race day, because it, it certainly was a, I mean, running a marathon, there's a lot of different miles you got going on. So there was kind of different experiences at different points along the way. So I just kind of want to tell the story of the way it goes. Um, the day we got up into Marquette was a Friday evening and, um, Noah and Hannah and I had taken the day off work and driven all the way six hours up North from Bourbon and we went through Wisconsin and my parents met us up there at the hotel and uh, first thing we did was go check in at the race expo, get our shirts, get our um, like paper number you clip on yourself and um, buy some extra gummies and things that we might need. And so we get checked in at the race expo and then we decided to rent these electric bikes, which I'm sure you've seen around. They're so much fun. I had not ridden one and we rented them for two hours and we got to explore the city of Marquette, which was so fun because the other thing that gave my dad and I the opportunity to do was look at the race route and, um, not the whole thing because we actually started the race in a small town called Ishpeming that is like 20 minutes outside of Marquette, maybe not quite that long, but, um, it's a short ride to a different town. So we looked at the whole, um, course of the race in the Marquette area, which was so helpful because then the next day when we were at those farther out mile markers, it was like, Hey, we know if we're right here, that means we have four miles left or whatever. So, um, that was a ton of fun. Also, those things just go so fast. So me and Hannah and Noah were zipping around and just having a blast racing each other. And it was a great day and I loved it. Um, and then of course that night we carb loaded. So we went to this great Italian place. I got homemade gnocchi, which was delicious. They had the best garlic bread that I think I've ever had. It was literally so soft and fluffy. It could have slept on it. It was like a pillow. Um, so left that feeling great, ready to go. And the next morning we, my dad and I woke up around five, I believe. Um, and I had kind of, uh, packed some food to eat for breakfast. So I ate my oatmeal and, um, and then we got changed and we got dropped off at, uh, the Superdome, which is, um, or the Superior Dome, I'm sorry, which is the place where NMU, Northern Michigan University has like their football games and all that. And it's just a huge athletic complex. And so that's where NMU is put on the whole race and, um, it's run by them. And so that's where the drop off was. We got dropped off at the bus, gave Noah and Hannah and mom a kiss and got on the bus and got shuttled out to Ishpeming. Um, and it really was about a 20 minute ride. It probably, I mean, it's not 20 miles away, but it, um, certainly is close to that. And, um, on a bus, it took us about 20 minutes to get out there. So it was crazy that, I mean, my dad and I sat in the front seat of the bus and we rode next to each other and we're talking the whole time we're going out there and just saying to each other, it's crazy 
that this car ride feels so long and to get back to where we came from, we have to run this whole way. And I remember feeling honestly really calm um, the night before the marathon. I was not overly nervous. I just kept telling myself, it's just another workout. It's just a Saturday morning workout you get to do with dad. And that's great because if you do it with dad, it's going to go by faster. And um, I was just kind of in that mindset. But I will say the thing that made me nervous, given that it's my first marathon, I've never done this before. um, When you're in that position, you have to just trust the training program you've been on. So in that training program, the last time I had run over 18 miles, over 15 miles even, was three weeks before when I ran 21. And, you know, when I ran 21 miles that day, I was like, I could run a marathon right now. I mean, what's five more miles? It, it would be hard, but I could run a marathon right now. And um, I was feeling geared up, like, let's go, let's do it. And then three weeks goes by and you're doing this taper where, you know, you run 12 and then 10 and then six. And um, actually, I think it went 12, 10, eight, six. It was like a four week taper. And so I was feeling nervous the night before the marathon because I'm like, I haven't run that far in almost a month. And I was like, what if I don't, what if I can't make it? What if I can't do it? And So, I mean, I felt really nervous about that. And I just kept telling myself, like, the people who make these programs have done this way more than you have. And they know so much more about this than you do. And so you have to trust that they put that 20-mile run where they put it for a reason in the training program. And so, um, yeah, that was was definitely a little nerve-wracking to feel unprepared or just kind of questioning of if you've done enough. And um, that's what I was telling my dad when we were on that bus bus ride out there was like, what if I can't make it? What if I can't do it? Um, and we got out to this training site or not the training site. I'm sorry, the starting site. And it was dark out still. The sun hadn't come up and we're waiting by the starting 10. And I will say it, um, was crazy because the only marathons I've ever been to were the Bay city marathon to watch my dad, which is a pretty popular one in Michigan. And then also the, um, Chicago marathon to watch my friend Rachel run. And that one is so busy. There's spectators everywhere. There's like thousands of runners and um it's just a really busy race and this race that we were doing probably had like I don't know maybe 150 to 200 people who ran the full marathon and maybe another 100 that ran the half so it was like 300 people or less I mean I could be off on that it might not have even been that many people but it certainly didn't seem like a ton when we were standing by the starting line and so um I I feel like I felt comforted by that. There was definitely the people walking around where you're like, this is not their first rodeo. They're looking prepared. And then I'm looking at myself and I'm like, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm five feet tall. I don't look like a runner. I don't dress like a runner. I don't have my fancy Garmin watch. I've got an Apple watch on. And it's just funny because you could easily be intimidated by those things. But I think the fact that I was with my dad and our goal was to finish made me feel less intimidated because I was like, I'm, I'm not out here to hit a certain time or beat that person or I don't care what place I come in for my age group. I I just want to accomplish this darn thing because if you remember at one point I said I'll never do that and um, I hated running. So, you know, it was going to be a big deal just to finish it. So we get into the starting line and the sunset was or the sunrise was amazing. We took photos of it. It was just beautiful and they had bag check, which was great because I'd worn a sweatshirt out there, but I didn't have to um, just throw it on the side of the road or something and hope to find it later. There was bag checks. That was great. Um, and then, you know, sooner or later race starts started at seven 30 and, um, we could run comfortably during training at around a 10 minute pace. 
um, 10.30 to, I mean, it depended on the mileage. Like I could run, you know, 60 minutes in 60 minutes in an hour, I could run six miles really easily. But, um, if I ran more than that, like an eight or 10 miles, I'm probably running more like 10, 30, 11 minute pace. And so our, my dad and I's original goal when we started training was to run this marathon at a 10 minute pace. And it became evident during training that we weren't going to be able to do that specifically by we, I mean me, I think my dad could have run it quite a bit faster than we did. But, um, I, I was feeling like the strategy I had taken in my long runs thus far was to go slow in the beginning. Um, and by slow, I mean like slow for me was like an 11, 11 30, occasional 12 minute mile. Um, just whatever I needed to kind of feel comfortable and get some miles under my belt. And then the way that always worked out for me was that later in the run at the 14, 15, 16 mile mark, I was able to have energy to run a 9.30 and then a 9.45 and then a 10 minute and then another 9.40 and um, the runner's high always was great for me in that the latter part of those runs because I reserved so much energy in the beginning as opposed to running really quickly at the start and doing what felt good and then having my pace slow uncontrollably. Um, I felt more controlled to intentionally be slow and then be fast than to be intentionally fast and uncontrollable slow pace later. Um, so we decided that we were going to try to run this thing. There was a pacer for a, um, four hour and 30 minute marathon. And there was a pacer for a five hour marathon. And the five hour marathon was like 11 minutes and 27 seconds per mile. And the four thirty was like 10 minutes and 30 seconds per mile. And I was like, okay, the 1137 seems like, or 1127 seems like I could run that pace, but I think I could do it a little faster than that. And the 1030 seems like they might lose me at some point. I don't, I don't know if I can do that for this whole thing. And so my dad and I kind of set ourselves up to run right in between those two pacers at a hypothetical 11 minute pace. Um, and that we would just kind of stay what we deemed as the middle ground between the two. And of course I had my watch on that was telling us our paces and everything was, that was helpful. So, um, the marathon starts at 7.30 in the morning. We start out right in front of the 1127 group. The pacer's name was Bill. This guy was so talkative. He said his goal was to uh, piss people off. He wanted to annoy us so that way we ran ahead of him because he was like, I, this was his 11th marathon or something like that and countless halves. I mean, he's, oh no, not his 11th marathon, his 11th time being a pacer. So he's run enough marathons that people have asked him to pace a group. To me, that's impressive. I don't, I don't think I could do that because you have to be able to run a marathon comfortably. Like if you can run a four-hour marathon, then you could be asked to be a pacer for a 445 or for a five-hour marathon because adding a whole hour to your natural pace that would be doable for you is going to be like you can absolutely keep these people consistent. There's no doubt in their mind. So Bill was impressive to me for that. All pacers are impressive to me for that. Um, Anyway, he was funny. He was loud. He told stories. You could tell that he was totally relaxed. No big deal. Um, so we started out with him. Then we kind of gotten ahead of him from around the like four or five mile mark until mile like, oh gosh. I mean, we were ahead of him from, for most of the race. I, we didn't see him again until mile 17, maybe 18. I mean, it was a while. So we ran over 10 miles just ahead of him. 
Um, and that was, oh my gosh, great. I, when we hit the half marathon mark, I was like half marathon already. No problem. I was feeling great. I was listening to some Noah Kahan. We're running up North. There's lots of pine trees. There's beautiful ponds. Oh my gosh. It was a beautiful day, slightly overcast. There was uh, different like little scenic spots that you could see and it was shaded and it wasn't too hot yet. And oh my gosh, it's just great. I love it. I love it up North. More than that, I love running up North. So that just felt great. The air is clean. Noah Kahan was fitting the vibes. It was good. It was good. And I felt fast. And like I said about the community, the other thing is you meet these people on the race course and you just like start a conversation and you talk with them for a mile. And then one of you decides, hey, I'm going to pick up my pace or the other gets tired and kind of slows down or whatever. But it's so fun talking with strangers and being like, is this your first marathon? Is it, you know, like, what's your story? How'd you sign up for this? And how you feeling? And that was great. We had some awesome conversations with people, but through that, it was just so much fun to do it with my dad. Like there was never a point that I was alone. There was points where my dad was 20, 30 feet ahead of me. And then there was points where I was 20, 30 feet in front of my dad. And, um, there was points where we were right next to each other, shoulder to shoulder. And it was so comfortable being able to kind of like facilitate what speed felt good to us. And then, um, kind of re-meet back and then also run together for a while. And it was just awesome. And so, yeah, while we were on the course, uh, it was, it was a great run. We started eating our gummies around mile five or six. Um, and that is when I started to realize that I had not hydrated enough. So my dad was really smart. And for the whole two days prior to the marathon, the guy only drank water, like minimal coffee, absolutely no alcohol, just water for two days. And I definitely drank some water for the two days before, but I, I drank a lot of coffee, a lot, mostly coffee, like two cups of coffee in the morning when I get to work, maybe a decaf cup of coffee after lunch, like too much coffee and probably only 30 to 40 ounces of water a day. And I really regret that. I should have been pounding a gallon a day those two days before the marathon, especially because when I first started marathon training, there was this whole like month long period where every time I ran, I would get blurry vision and I would get tunnel vision and like my eyes would, I guess the best way to describe it is they would cross. Like I could not get my eyes to focus. Um, and I at one point thought about going to the eye doctor because I thought something was wrong with me. So my solutions were I need to drink more water and probably dehydrated and I need to stop running on the trail and start running through neighborhoods because running on a trail and having like the tunnel ahead of you made it way worse for me. So um, I did those two things. I went to neighborhoods instead of the trail for a while and I started drinking way more water every day and the solution solved itself. So I can't say I didn't know better. And for about five or six miles, I had blurry vision during this marathon, which I'm, you know, that's annoying. I was annoyed. I remember texting Noah and being like, pray for me because I cannot see anything. Uh, So yeah, that wasn't great. But then at the same time, I was like, at least this happened to me in training. Like this would have been way worse to just show up on race day and have my vision go blurry because I probably would have thought I was dying or something. But you know, I was like, nah, tough it out, Andy. You, you, you're blind all the time while you run. So that was not, not a good thing, but I got through it. So 
Uh, mile 16 is the first time. So, well, uh, hold on. We started in Ishpeming, like I said, but by the time we hit mile 15, 16, we're coming into Marquette. So when we cr- crossed the Marquette township sign on this trail, I was like, oh my gosh, dad, we've literally one run from one town into another town. That just feels like an accomplishment all on its own. We still have 10 miles to go. Um, and at mile 16, you like run out of this tunnel, this like bridge thing, Um, and it's like your first kind of view of Marquette and we get into this thing and there's, uh, the first time that we saw our people who came to watch. So the first person I saw was my mom and we wave at her and we're a ways off still. And she waves back. So I'm like, Oh, that is mom. That is mom. And we come out of the tunnel and lo and behold, it's not just Noah and Hannah next to my mom, but also my brother Chase and my sister-in-law Emily and my sweet new niece Collins, who's only like two months old. And they surprised us. We had no idea they were coming. And actually they made it their first family camping trip and went tent camping at Gitchigumi, that campground I talked about earlier, which going tent camping with a two month old, like that is so cool. I look up to them. They're superheroes for that. I think it's awesome. And Colin slept through the night for the first time on that trip. And she loved looking at the trees and she just had a grand old time. And she got to touch Lake Superior for the first time, which is really freezing. Uh, but she loved it. So that was great. Anyway, seeing them at mile 16 and having them surprise us, that felt like, oh my gosh, serotonin boost. Like I was ready to go. I was so hyped up because I was like, man, just 10 more miles. And then I get to hang out with that sweet baby and hang out with Chase and Emily and see Noah and Hannah more and my mom. And it just felt so good. And so, um, mile 16, we're feeling good. And then we get out to, once you hit mile 16, you're like out of the shade after that you're in the sun. And so at this point, the sun is up. I mean, it's been, we've been running for hours. And so it's getting up to like upper seventies, 80 degrees humid, which is like not fun to run in at all. Uh, so that's kind of when I started to have my first moments of like, man, this kind of sucks a little bit. Um, so mile 17 was kind of through the town. Mile 18 was getting out by the, uh, lake, Lake Superior. So you run along this like trail that runs right by the lake for mile, you know, 17 and a half through, oh gosh, maybe 22, like 22 is the first mile. You're really in shade again, which is a long ways when you're that tired. And all of a sudden you're now in the heat and you're now in the 80 degree sun beating down on you. It was intense. So those were the first miles I started to struggle. Um, I did not hit the wall until mile 20 though. I will say that mile 20 was the first time that I was like, oh boy, this is hard. Um, and my dad and I impressively to me, this is impressive. We did not walk until mile 19 or 20. Those were the first miles that we walked at. So up until the point, I think the heat really made a difference. Like if this whole thing would have been shaded, I think I might not have hit the wall despite my dehydration until mile maybe 22. Um, but I think because the sun was out, the fact that I was already a little dehydrated, it just hit me even harder. So we hit the mile or we hit the wall. Like I said, around 20. Well, I did. My dad didn't hit the wall until like literally mile 24 or 25. Like he's Superman or something. It was so crazy. Um, so anyway, the marathon, the last four miles, mile 20, no mile 19 ish and 20 through mile 24 were the worst four to five miles of my life. It's crazy because when you're marathon training and someone's like, oh, I got to go run five miles. You're like, that's nothing. Like five mile run, quick, easy. Bada bing, bada boom. Do it in my sleep. 
not an intimidating number. Let me tell you, five miles when you are dehydrated and your body is starting to hurt feels like a big deal. It feels like I could not do that when my sleep, I could barely do that when I'm awake. I'm so tired. So I was feeling that. I was definitely feeling that. And that's when I started to want to walk and my dad, without him, I mean, I would have been running this thing a lot slower because he was encouraging and like, okay, we're going to walk from here to that bench, then we're going to run. I'm like, okay, sure. And so we intentionally started at that point, we had been, we had been popping out more like 1040s for a long time, like from mile eight until mile 16, like those eight miles, we were running 10 30s to 10 40s. So great pace, feeling good, a little faster than we were even tending to be, which is awesome. And then around mile 17, we're like, okay, let's intentionally slow our pace because we still felt good. So shortly after we pass our family, we're like, let's slow our pace down to like an 11 minute mile or 1115. And we're going to do it on purpose, not because we're getting tired, but because it's about to get hard and we want to reserve some energy. So we started to slow our pace at mile 17. And I'm glad we did that because when I hit that wall at mile 20, three miles later, um, we had a little bit of energy stored up. So even though we had to walk, I still had some energy to run in there. And um, anyway, the last few miles, the last four miles of this marathon are on, uh, you could say Presque Isle or Presque, I actually heard it's Presque Isle. So apologies if I said it wrong when I said Presque Isle, but Presque Isle, um, which is kind of this little peninsula thing, um, in Marquette that has like a really big hill on one side. And then the other side of it is just a big downhill that kind of like wraps around the back of this peninsula and brings you back down into town and then you kind of run back to the superior dome and you're done um but mile 22 that whole first half mile is up a huge hill so we walked that hill because I was like there's no way that I am running that so we walked it um and that was when my foot started hurting which is great uh I had some pain in my like arch area the ball of my foot on my right foot And so we made it up the hill and, uh, then the downhill was obviously great to run. So we ran that whole downhill. And by the time we got to the bottom of, uh, Presque and we're like coming back out one of the main streets, we're at mile like 24, maybe 24 and a half right around there. So at that point we're like, we we're going to finish this thing. Like we're almost done. Uh, so we're coming through town and this is when my dad started to get tired. I would say he hit the wall at mile 24 and we started kind of trading on walking and walk, walking and running. And, um, I perked back up around mile 24. So like I said, I, I hit the wall at mile 20, but those four miles were the hardest for me. And then at mile 24, I started to feel better. And, um, I think it was cause most of the part that was on Presqueel was shaded. And so, um, I got to kind of recoup out of the heat and at this point my blurry vision had miraculously fixed itself and I believe it's because I prayed about it and he answered and it went away because I definitely didn't hydrate a ton I mean I'm running in the heat so uh it it went away which was great and then I perked back up and then we made it and then my dad was really feeling it at like mile 25 was really hard for him um and funny funny we saw bill at mile 17 lost bill again we still were out ahead of him and then we found bill again we found bill at mile 25 and may i say that everybody else who was in the five hour group pace group 
was not with him. He told us at the beginning of the marathon, he said, if you run this thing with me, he said this to the whole group, not just us, but he said, if you run this thing with me, you will finish it within a minute more or a minute less than five hours. You will be right within your goal. And we're like, okay, great. And so he was on the money. When we saw him again at mile 25, we were on pace to finish it five hours on the dot. And my dad and I are the only ones who crossed the finish line with him. I I do not know what happened to the rest of the group. I believe most of them finished, but they did not finish at five hours. So anyway, I'm running with Bill for a little while. My dad started to kind of fall behind. Bill's telling me this story, this David Goggins story. And He's, you know, reciting David Goggins, never quit, never quit to me, which felt really intense. But I mean, you kind of need that when you're at mile 25. He was like yelling at me and I was like, okay, Bill. Okay. Uh, But I noticed my dad behind me and he's like starting to walk a little bit. So I'm like, hey, Bill, I, I came into this to run it with my dad and I cannot finish this without him. So I slowed down a little bit. Which And by that, I don't mean he was not that far behind me, but I, uh, I was distracted by Bill's story. So the pain in my legs, I was not thinking about it. I was just running. So I, I slow down and the three of us are kind of running together. And uh, the craziest thing, we, we hit mile 26 and the point two to the finish is, is like you go around this curve and then you just run the straightaway into the, into the finish line and you cross the, the big finish line. They got all the music going and everything. And so... Um, we cross this finish line or not. I'm sorry. We don't cross. We cross the corner or we go around the corner. And, uh, my dad is like right there with me. We see Chase and Emily and my mom and Collins and they're kind of yelling for us at that corner. And Noah and Hannah were over at the finish line. And, um, my dad and I, when I was a little girl, sorry, this is a quick rabbit trail, <laughs> quick, quick rabbit trail to explain this. When I was a little girl, my dad and just through my whole life, not only when I was little, but my dad is a huge Brooks and Dunn fan. And so when I used to ride around town with him in his truck, we would listen to Brooks and Dunn, their greatest hits album that has the Longhorns um, on the front of it. And we, I, I grew up knowing every single one of those songs. And so this past summer, we went to a Brooks and Dunn concert together. Um, and he, they're just, they've always been our band. Good 90s country music. I love it and I love it because of my dad and it's a thing that he and I share the Steelers and Brooks and Dunn are like our things together and so the craziest thing was we came around the corner you could hear the music way out and as we came around the corner to finish this race Brooks and Dunn starts blaring and I was like dad oh my gosh it's Brooks and Dunn and we were just so excited and that was the craziest thing and so um that made me feel really hype and uh bill kind of fell behind he slowed down because we were on pace to finish just under five hours and he needed to finish on the five hour mark because that's what he's getting paid to do so he kind of falls behind us and my dad and i are coming into the finish and i find the muster the energy to sprint and i mean what my sprint looked like was not what my sprint is if i'm not running a marathon but uh it was all the sprint i could muster and we powered across the finish line to a Brooks and Dunn song. And I was like, man, the Lord is here and he is good. Cause that is crazy. Um, and I felt like I was going to throw up as soon as I crossed the finish line, but I did not throw up. I got handed a medal and ushered into a tent with a ton of water and sandwiches and bananas. And, uh, my, uh, family was quickly there and Noah and Hannah were there and Noah gave me a big hug and it, it really was just a wonderful experience. And my dad and I, we're just so happy and um, felt accomplished and happy to have done it together. And what was crazy was 
both of us were like, you know, yeah, we just ran the marathon and I'm tired, but I don't feel, I don't feel dead. And so, um, we went back to the hotel and we got changed and then we spent the next two days or the next day and a half swimming in Lake Superior, which is totally nature's ice bath. I mean, that lake is cold. If you've never been to Lake Superior, it is freezing. So that was great. I think that is part of the reason that we felt great really quickly after the marathon. I mean, aside from my foot hurting, which hurt for about three or four days, um, my hips and my knees and my muscles literally felt fine within 24 hours, maybe 48 at the most. And I would attribute that to swimming in Lake Superior for an hour or more both of those days because it was like sitting in an ice bath for an hour or more both of those days. And that really helped. Um, Anyway, so that's kind of the the story of the marathon. That's just about everything I can remember from running it. Um, It was a great experience, and I I definitely think I will run another one. And so the last kind of segment or part of this episode I want to talk through is the things I learned, the takeaways, the do's and don'ts. Um, So some of my do's. I would say that if running is intimidating for you, do what my dad and I did. Start with the base of whatever mileage feels comfortable for you. So if that's one mile, if that's two miles, whatever you can manage, start there. And just run that a few times until you're like, yeah, I'm getting up to run two miles this morning and I'm not nervous or I'm not intimidated by it. It's I know I can accomplish this. And then you just add a little bit um, and you keep going. And then once you get up to that like five, six, maybe seven or eight, whatever it looks like for you mileage, that's when I think you can start looking at a program and maybe pick a program that aligns with the date of a marathon that you have found online and you're interested in doing. And even if you're not running a marathon to like sign up and run one and you're just trying to get in a long distance running because you need a challenge, you can still do the thing I did where you just kind of build a foundation until it doesn't feel intimidating anymore. And I really suggest that it was, it was great mentally to build my confidence. Um, another do find good shoes and I will say I I mean I really want to try out Hoka's now that I'm done with this marathon because I I mean after 550 miles I need a new pair of shoes really bad um but do what feels best for your foot it's tempting to tempting to get the most trendy shoe or the one that seems like it's the best quality because it's the most expensive but that is not always true um I spent like a hundred and ten dollars or something on my shoes which I mean there's running shoes out there that are 190 dollars like really expensive so um a do for me was go in try everything on get fitted for a running shoe see what actually feels good to your foot and and get that um you will not regret it Uh, another do find good podcasts some of my favorites I love the unplanned podcast with Matt and Abby I love couple things with Sean and Andrew East Um, I love to listen to that sounds fun by Annie F Downs that's a great one if you like um, kind of to think of your running time as time with God as well that was great Um, and so yeah find podcasts that make you feel like the hour of running goes by really quick because it was just listening to a conversation um Make playlists. That's another good do. Make a playlist that's like, uh, I mean, Noah Kahan was great for me in the middle of the race because I wasn't trying to like, you know, blast and run super fast. I was trying to be relaxed and comfortable and just in the zone. And so make a playlist for that. Make a playlist that's your hype playlist for when you're in the tough miles, whether it be T-Swift or Bozzy or Queen or 
whatever music you need that is going to hype you up, make a playlist for that too. Um, and that was great. Some of my don'ts. Don't make yourself fuel with things that are absolutely disgusting to you. So I did not eat gel packs. I, I can't do it. They make me gag. And if running already makes you nauseous or if eating while you're running already makes you nauseous, then you don't want something texture-wise that's going to push you over the edge. So uh, I ate gummies. I loved the Gatorade ones. I loved the Cliff ones. Those were both great. And I utilized those all through training. And that's what I ran with on Marathon Day. And it worked out great for me. Um, so do that. Um, the other thing, uh, don't not drink water. That was a big fat mistake of mine. If I run another marathon or when I do, or when I do a half, I will be hydrating religiously because that is something that I believe I hit the wall a lot sooner than I physically was capable of. I think I would have hit the wall a lot later had I hydrated well. So that was definitely a big don't, uh, don't underhydrate. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. Um, Gosh, what else? Oh, don't pick a pace that's outrageous for you on race day. Pick a pace that you are confident at and comfortable at. The reason that my dad and I, I mean, we finished right on the money at five hours or like 4.59 or something, like literally right at or just seconds below five hours. And I think the reason we were able to do that despite hitting a wall and slowing down was because we picked a pace that we were confident that we could do. Um, and so do whatever makes you feel like you got this, um, that, that is what's important. And if you're like me, then running a marathon is not about being the best one out there. Running a marathon is about crossing the finish line. And one of the things that Bill said to me when we were running was everyone who finishes is a winner. And that's just the nature of marathon running. Um, and I believe that. So pick a pace that's comfortable for you. And, uh, the other, the last thing I'll say that's a do um, not a don't, but a do is do try hard things. Cause you can do hard things. And I would not have believed that about this before I did this. And, um, now it's wild cause I've made it all the way through the process and my whole mindset on it has changed. And I really think it's something that I won't be doing all the time, but, um, that I'm not closed off to. And my next big goal is to run a half marathon in an hour and a half or hour and 45. I haven't decided what my goal time yet is, but it's definitely sub two hours. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see how that happens and I'll keep you guys updated on that. And then it's now on my bucket list to do the Disney marathon, which would be a ton of fun. So yeah, do hard things guys. Cause you can do it and let me know, like I said at the beginning, how you enjoyed this episode. If the solo talk was super boring or if it's something that was fun, um, for you guys to listen to and I'll kind of keep that in mind as we keep going with this podcast so um yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode and maybe message me and let me know some hard things that you're doing um and I'm praying for you in those hard things that you would find achievement and joy in them from the Lord so have a great week guys and thank you so much for listening catch you later catch you later